RiskWatch is a due diligence and compliance podcast featuring interviews with leading compliance, investigations, and research professionals to shed light on global corruption and compliance-related issues. RiskWatch is brought to you by VCheck Global, a business-to-business provider of due diligence, background checks, employment screening, document retrieval, and specialized research of both business entities and individuals. Seth Harlan of VCheck Global here. In August, I had the opportunity to speak with Simona Weinglass, an investigative journalist for the Times of Israel. I've been following Simona's reporting on internet-based fraud since reading her 2016 expose, The Wolves of Tel Aviv. In addition to raising international awareness of the binary options industry, Simona's reporting led to its ban by Israel's Knesset. I'll walk you through our conversation, which touched on issues of interest at the intersection of due diligence and technology, including internet-based fraud in the famed Israeli tech sector. I kicked off our conversation by delving into Simona's reporting background. With so much English language reporting on Israel focusing on security issues, I was curious how Simona ended up on the fraud beat. Simona explained. Well, thanks, Seth, for having me. And in order to understand the binary options scam, I want to give you a little bit of background about Israel's economy. I personally grew up in the United States, and I moved to Israel as a teenager in the late 80s. And when I lived in Israel as a teenager, the country was really what I would call Spartan. There wasn't much of a consumer economy. I remember the status symbol in my high school was a Parker pen, and those were really expensive. And um, the GDP per capita at the time was about $10,000 a year. And now, in 2021, according to the World Bank figures, the GDP per capita, the nominal GDP per capita is about $43,000 a year. And that's an amazing level of growth. Just to put that in perspective, that's higher than um, the UK and France and just behind Germany. So when I moved back to Israel as an adult in 2009, I saw a country that was completely transformed from the way it had been when I was when I was a teenager. And, you know, the country was booming. It had this high growth, high tech industry. Tel Aviv had become really expensive. It's now, I think, the fifth most expensive city in the world. And I started writing about it because there were a lot of people, like, despite all this growth, there were a lot of people who felt like life was pretty unaffordable. I got a job in 2015 at the Times of Israel, and I started writing about the high cost of living. And pretty soon, I had all these people approaching me to tell me about their experiences. And in particular, there was one guy named Dan, and he told me, look, I, I want to tell you about this scam, this um, multi-hundreds of millions of dollars worth of fraudulent behavior, this, this industry that's hiding in plain sight, and it's operating from some of the fanciest buildings in Tel Aviv and in Ramat Gan. And I met him in a cafe and we sat and we talked and he told me about this thing that was just, it was just so mind-blowingly unbelievable. I mean, I thought I was in a movie, right? Just what he was describing. And basically what he said was, there are all these companies, probably over a hundred, they're operating from regular normal looking offices with normal looking people just woke up every day and went to work. And um, it, it looked on the outside, it looked like they were working in some sort of investments But the entire thing was a scam, right? So 
what would happen would, was these young people, mostly immigrants from abroad, would go to work in these call centers. They would call people all over the world. They would suggest that they invest in this really trendy new product called binary options. And then all kinds of people would invest. I mean, there were probably over a million investors, I estimate. And basically, the whole thing was a scam. Basically, most of these people ended up losing all their money, but it was a very sophisticated scam. So I wrote about this. I wrote about this thing. And uh, yeah, and then about after two years or yeah, about two years after I wrote my initial article, the, the industry was outlawed in Israel. One obstacle to combating internet-based fraud identified by Simona is its global reach. She shared some enforcement challenges posed by globalization. Right. So what was really shocking about investigating this whole industry was it upended a lot of my expectations, right? So I thought, okay, I'm going to write this one article. And after I write this article, obviously the police are going to raid the offices of these companies and they're going to you know, immediately shut it down and, and that will be the end of it. And what I didn't realize was that, well, well, first of all, that didn't happen. But the interesting question is why that didn't happen. And why it didn't happen was that this thing was, it was kind of too big to fail, right? Like there were too many, it was too big. There were too many people involved. It wasn't just happening in Israel. It was happening, you know, in Ukraine. Parts of it were connected to Russia. Parts of it were connected to Eastern Europe. And so, you know, even if you shut down parts of it in Israel, that particular thing that you shut down just springs up elsewhere. So what I was told most recently by some law enforcement people in a European country was that a lot of these boiler rooms that I described, a lot of the, you know, the hundred or so boiler rooms that existed in Tel Aviv are not in Tel Aviv or not to the same extent. There's still some, um, but, you know, the marketing and the payment processing and the bank accounts and the and the beneficiaries are still very much in Israel. So, and they're doing Forex and they're doing CFD scams and they're doing cryptocurrency scams. Given Simona's work for the Times of Israel, I was surprised to learn that a reporting challenge facing her was raising awareness of internet-based fraud with the average Israeli. Simona explained how her reporting was received by Israel's diverse linguistic communities. <laughs> so, in Israel, in Israel, there was an interesting reaction. I don't think that my reporting really reached the consciousness of people outside of, you know, the English speaking or the French speaking circles. So our newspaper, the Times of Israel is an English speaking, is an English language Israeli newspaper. We also have a French edition, an Arabic edition, a, um, we used to have a Chinese edition. I think we have a Persian edition. And so we published the article in all those languages and it definitely resonated. It definitely resonated in English and in French in particular, it really resonated and in Arabic. I mean, we had a lot of Arabic speakers contacting us about the scam, both people involved in it and, and victims. So it really resonated in the foreign language speaking community in Israel, but it somehow did not my reporting did not penetrate the consciousness of the average Israeli. And so even though we've done, we've done so much reporting about this, I mean, we've been reporting about it for several years, and other Israeli newspapers have reported about it, but to a lesser extent, I think the average Israeli will never have heard of, of this particular scam. Like They don't know that it existed. By virtue of the borderless nature of the internet, 
Internet-based frauds can be perpetrated from locations across the globe while leaving an international trail of victims. Simona shared how a series of accounting scandals surrounding Wirecard, a German payment processor and financial services provider, drew international attention to the shady side of the internet. That's really an interesting question, right? (laughs) So with the internet, with the rise of the internet, and I think this is something that people don't understand. They're just beginning to understand. I think this is something that people started to realize when the wire card scandal broke. I don't know if reader, if you, sorry, listeners are familiar with the wire card scandal, but um, basically wire card was this, you know, darling of the German stock exchange. It was valued at 25 billion um, euros. And then it collapsed in June, 2020 because of accounting fraud, basically. Right. So they claimed that there were, they had money on the books about, I guess, $2 billion worth of money on the books that actually wasn't there, right? And the, and the company collapsed. But what's emerged with the reporting in recent months and in the last year is that, in fact, a lot of Wirecard's business, not all, but, but a great deal of Wirecard's business was for these sort of shady companies, right? For like online gambling, porn, uh, binary options, Forex. So a lot of the shady side of the internet was were processing payments through Wirecard. And then what you see, what you have in Israel is you see that there are all these companies that they look like totally legitimate. They look like high tech companies and the people who work in these companies are um, the equivalent of uh, is privileged Israelis. Right. So they're the equivalent of what in America people go to these fancy colleges. Right. So the Israeli equivalent of that work in these high tech companies. And then when you scratch the surface of these companies, you see, well, actually, uh, their business model is that they process payments for high risk industries. And what are high risk industries? You know, porn, MLM schemes, gambling, etc. Having discussed the global nature of Internet based fraud, I asked Simona about the ability of foreign regulators to tackle internet based fraud. I would say that there's one <laughs> there's one institution that strikes fear into the heart of these fraudsters, and that's the United States Department of Justice. And to a lesser extent, other, you know, other foreign law enforcement bodies. So I know that Austria convicted a guy named Gal Barak and he spent a little bit of time in jail. And so definitely, definitely, even if it's Austria or Germany or, or whatever country, nobody likes to spend time in jail. But the thing that these fraudsters are afraid of is going to jail. And in August 2019, there was one CEO of a binary options company called Ucom Communications. Her name was Liel Baz. She was not the owner. She was the CEO, and she was sentenced in December of that year to 22 years in prison. And rumor had it, and there were articles in the in the trade press of the of this industry that after Liel Baz was arrested by the FBI in September 2017. A lot of these people were afraid to travel abroad, and they were afraid to, specifically to travel to the United States. So that definitely struck fear into their hearts. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, there haven't been a lot of indictments more recently from the DOJ. I mean, I hope that there's, you know, they're working very diligently, and and one day we'll see some more indictments. But I have no idea if that's the case. But yeah, that definitely strikes fear into their hearts. 
And also just, you know, you have, you put a a few people in jail with, with these long sentences, like over 20 years is very scary for some of these people. And you can definitely put a wet blanket on this whole entire industry through these, through these convictions. In terms of the Israeli police, they haven't really done anything. I think that there was one indictment of several of, of one company, but it was just for targeting Israeli investors. And in the end, it, they were just fined or something. <laughs> so it, like it, the Israeli law enforcement and Israeli prosecutors are just, I mean, it's laughable how little they do. They have absolutely no deterrent effect whatsoever. An ongoing obstacle facing the news industry in recent years has been the lack of advertising revenue. Simona explained the impact this has had on global fraud reporting. Right. So maybe people who, you know, who aren't close to the journalism industry aren't aware of this, but um, the journalism industry in the United States and worldwide is really, you know, is really suffering. It's shedding jobs. I think there are about half the number of journalists working as there were a decade ago. And this is happening all over the world. And the main reason for it is big tech. So Google and Facebook have taken a lot of the advertising revenue that the journalism industry used to rely on. And so, I mean, what I can see happening is in Israel specifically, but also, you know, all over the world, there's just so much fraud happening. And people tend to think that if there's some huge uh, multi hundreds of millions of dollars worth of fraud happening, or even like a multi-billion dollar company that's fraudulent, well, that will definitely uh, appear in the newspapers. But the problem is that, like, for instance, in the U.S., a lot of local journalism has been decimated. And also all over the world, you might have some smaller newspaper that used to be able to do a big investigative report, and they're not doing that anymore. And so what I see happening is, you know, you've got these big, big, splashy alleged frauds like uh, Theranos or um, WeWork. Uh, was, uh, there was some alleged fraud there. You, you have these big stories and you have these companies that are worth like tens of billions of dollars or, you know, Wirecard's another example. And so then you'll get, you know, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post or, or the Financial Times doing a big story. But when you have a smaller company, even a company that's maybe only worth a billion dollars or two billion dollars, who's going to write that story? That's not big enough for these, you know, for these national newspapers. And then the smaller newspapers are barely surviving. And so there's a lot of stuff that falls through the cracks. And, and, and at the same time, <laughs> we're living in a kind of a golden age of fraud. Nobody's stopping. Law enforcement is sort of at a loss. So nobody's stopping these people. They're getting wealthier and wealthier and they're able to buy good press. They're able to buy really excellent PR. And yeah, I think there's just more and more fraud happening everywhere. Having explored the international nature of internet-based fraud, I asked Simona why knowledge of the serious issue remains limited. There have been a lot of articles in the British press, for instance, in the German press, and there is some outrage. And as I mentioned, the German-Austrian governments have definitely started prosecuting just a few of these companies. They can't possibly prosecute all of them. There are too many. And there's outrage. I mean, this industry, like these investment scams have victimized so many people and it's not a small scam. I mean, for some people, they lose $250, but there are quite a number of people that will lose their pension or their whole life savings. 
scams, right? And and these scams are increasingly targeting millennials and Generation Z who are seeing these videos on TikTok and then they're entering these websites and they're losing their money. And it might be money they don't even have. It might be money that they borrowed. With the economy the way it is and with, the, you know, there's less social mobility than there used to be. If you lose your pension or you lose your life savings, you might not have another chance. Like that might be, you might not have much of a, of a future at that point. So there's an international outcry from, from victims, from journalists. Haven't seen law, law enforcement for the most part doing that much, but no, it's not, it's not as much of an issue as it should be. I think people don't realize how much internet fraud there is. I think a lot of the victims don't come forward. And I think also, this is a really important aspect of it. You know, some of these big tech companies have made a lot of money from these scam industries because they're not, you know, some of these big tech companies are not responsible for what they advertise or for, for what appears on their platform. So you have a situation where, you know, companies like Google and Facebook took millions, many, many millions of dollars from these fraudulent companies, and they can't be held responsible because of the law, the the Section 232 of the Telecommunications Act. The COVID-19 pandemic has left its mark on all of our lives, regardless of location. Simona touched on the pandemic's impact on internet-based fraud. I would say, if anything, business is better than usual because Israel has numerous internet frauds, but I think the investment frauds are a big one. And like there have been so many articles in the, you know, in the Australian media and the British media about how young people have started trading online. And that's become very, very trendy. And um, so some of them are trading on, you know, on these websites that are maybe very high risk, but they're not necessarily fraudulent. But a number of them are definitely trading on these fraudulent websites. So if anything, business is better than ever. Before saying goodbye, Simone and I discussed Israel's position as a global technology hub, which makes proficiency in conducting investigations in the country essential for due diligence professionals. She shared some tips for researching Israeli companies in conducting business in Israel. Some very narrow parts of the Israeli business sector are well-regulated, but for the most part, there's very little regulation and very little law enforcement, unfortunately. And it's rather free-for-all. You know, and even I, when I'm in Israel and when I have to do something new, like move apartments or do some kind of business transaction that I don't normally do, I will just ask friends or relatives for recommendation because unfortunately, you cannot trust the regulatory environment in Israel to provide the supervision that you need to, to know that you can do business with a particular person. So for instance, with the, with the binary options fraud, I get, I get emails and I get calls from people all the time who say, look, I think I've been defrauded. I need a lawyer. Can you recommend a lawyer? And I, I never recommend a lawyer because I'm not allowed to. But I say, listen, do not hire someone over the internet because the person that you are hiring over the internet is probably someone who did some kind of search engine optimization manipulation to get to the top of the search results, right? So don't hire someone over the internet and don't hire a random person because 
they may be fine and they may not. And what you need to know is that there's no one checking them or in very, very seldom is there anyone checking them. So in that respect, unfortunately, doing business in Israel will be more like doing business in you know, Eastern Europe or, or Russia, where you would never go in there and just do business with a company. You would always have someone you know that you trust as kind of a guide. And, and that's what I would recommend when you're doing business in Israel, that you have to, if there's someone you know, and that person can kind of guide you through the business world there. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Risk Watch. To stay current on Simona's reporting, please check out the Times of Israel's website or follow Simona on Twitter and at Simona Wineglass. For more risk and compliance-focused content, including podcasts and articles, check out the VCheck website, vcheckglobal.com, or our LinkedIn page. Thanks for listening.